haven't Darabont. seen. You know, you know who you can credit Frank Darabont for? for who? Alex Hawk? <laughs> no, for The Walking Dead. He's the dude who created The Walk. He, he's the, 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 the filmmaker. He was known for doing other things before, of course, but he, his, big, his biggest, like, probably biggest contribution. Claim to fame? contribution to horror yeah is probably creating the walking dead show because the walking dead show is um epic you know what i mean um it's a, it, it, we we we've often talked about um you know different things like with horror tv how horror tv's kind of created new horror fans that, that aren't really fans of the horror films like they don't know the horror movies they just know the horror tv stuff yeah because this whole, it's whole, it's got its whole culture too. Pop yeah, culture. yeah, because there are, the, you know, suiting to those people that like horror, but at least that way, it's on TV, it's edited, it's not, so they know it's not going to be anything that's going to be like super scary. But no. for some people, scary enough. Some of the stuff it can be pretty scary too, you know, because if even if you take like a Netflix show, it can be a little more extreme or whatever HBO show. It could be a little more extreme. You know, they're just as out there and edgy as film, you know, a rated R film. Oh, yeah. But, like, for, like, I mean, like, actual TV, like, USA Network type shit, like, with American Horror Story and, like, Walking Dead. I think if those were on networks where they had no commercials, I think they'd go and be a little edgier than they are. Sure. I mean, Walking. I mean, Walking Dead's been phenomenal, even though it's been on, you know, network TV. But I like to think of how gruesome, even more so gruesome, that show could have been if it was on, like, if HBO had picked it up instead of AMC. Now, The Walking Dead uh, had a slump for a little bit. Now, I heard it's coming back with actually being good. Or is that is that correct? I couldn't even tell you. I haven't watched Walking Dead. Oh God! Since um, it's been a while. I haven't watched for a couple of years myself. I got it. I was I got late to the game on it, and then I got when I got hip I, to it, I kind of binged a lot of it. That I still I yeah. I didn't I didn't start watching it until season three. My dad had been watching it from a jump. He got me to watch it, and then I stopped watching it. I think right after, right after they took over the hilltop. So like maybe season end of season seven, early season eight. Yeah, I'm probably r- r- roughly around there with you. Yeah, because I I just couldn't take it anymore. There's too many fucking commercials. I'll like I'll wait for it to come on Netflix and then watch it with no commercials. Are they up to ten ten seasons? Season ten, yeah. Ten years though. But they actually ended Walking Dead, and now they have one of the spinoffs going. Well, both the spinoffs because they're showing Fear the, they're showing Fear the Walking Dead and um. What is it? The whatever the new one is. The Talking Dead. You consider that one of them? The TV show, the oh, talk show after. Talk about it, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't consider that. But like, they made another actual TV show. Yeah, I, I know can't there remember. was another one. Yeah. The world of the world of the dead, or something like that. No, there was a fair of the Walking Dead, or something weird. Yeah. No, they are showing. They are still like Fear the Walking Dead is on on Sundays now, but they have another Walking Dead show that picks up where Walking Dead left where they stopped at Walking Dead. It's, like, it takes it. It's like it's supposed to be another point of view of people, like another group of people going through the same shit. Yeah, 
I always enjoyed Christopher Walken Dead the best. Oh my god, that would be hysterical. I'm surprised they never did a Saturday Night Live skit of that. Well, my favorite thing was like when they were saying that 2020 needs more cowbell. Ah, yeah, I heard that. It needs a lot of, <laughs> needs a lot of things. 2020 needs a lot of things. 2021's going to come in like, hold my beer. Hold my heroin needle. So, I really think so. With that being said, folks, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. We gave you the VIP treatment right there. How do you like that? We we went for a good 10 minutes or so just talking behind the scenes, letting the folks know, you know, that 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 everything's uh, – we're just like regular people, right, Mel? Yep. Walking Dead, World Beyond. That's the new one. Say, yeah. So, yeah, cool beans. I like that. Yeah. Well, 10-year, uh, you know, The Walking Dead, maybe we should do a TV, horror TV episode, because uh, I had no idea The Walking Dead. I mean, I, it's not hard to fathom, but uh, The Walking Dead, that 10 years they've been going, that's that's something, you know what I mean? That's a long time. And then, you know, I got into Fear the Walking Dead for a little while. I watched, like, maybe the first season or two, and then I stopped watching that one, too, because it was just starting to become too much with the commercials so i was like i can't deal with it i wait for it to come out yeah i fell off right around uh, alexander hawking dead so before <laughs> <laughs> we lose our mind too much we're gonna pop into uh this is almost like a part two type deal but not quite you know what i mean um uh, you know, kind of like a little addition onto the, the, the our previous episode where we talked about uh, the films that were turning ten and twenty in twenty twenty. Um, we're gonna talk today or tonight, whenever you're listening, folks, um, about which films turn thirty years old and forty years old. Right, Mel? Yeah. Those movies that are almost as old as we are that we saw when we were way too young. They're almost as old as time from 1990. Okay, 5-0. This week we're talking about, I do look like 5 actually, don't I? Um, when I was a kid, I had the, my aunt had a 5 doll at her house that was so great. And every time I was over there, I had it with me. And I should see if she still has it. And I should put it on display uh, in the background. Uh, to, this week, we're going with 19 or rather the first half of this segment, Booyah, uh, we're going 1990. All right, folks? Great year. Taking it back. I enjoy the 90s. A lot of people kind of hate the 90s, uh, but I, I remember good things. TV we shows. Have fun. fun. TV you know, shows. I, actually, it being out, hanging out with friends outside. Oh, yeah, before not, the you know. situation. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. The only mask we had to worry about was Rocky Dennis back in the day, and that's what I appreciate the most. <laughs> um. Yeah the the '90s neon colors were big was a, were a big deal in the '90s. You know what I mean? Yep, leggings and ten pairs of socks. Ten <laughs> pairs of socks, slap bracelets. You slap your wrist open, you die. That's what yep. I legend right there. Everybody knew somebody who slapped their wrist open with a slap bracelet and took the big plunge of death. I used to like those stupid things, and I never once cut myself with one. No, I could understand almost how you could, but I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, it depends on the material that they were made with. Yeah. And, you know, if they file down the, the bracelet part inside enough. <laughs> well, you know, that's the deal. In prison, uh, slap bracelet is int- the most deadliest weapon. Yeah. Know, the most exiled weapon. That's why they tell you not to drop the soap in the shower. 
when you go into the showers, when you have to battle for your life, um, they there's a to- they unravel a towel, and in the towel is multi leopard print, you know, balloons, all this weird, you know, throwback slap bracelets, and you got a one half of it's got the blade on it sharpened out, you know, <laughs> and that shiv out of it, <laughs> and they, it's like a whip, it's like an Indiana Jones whip. So when it slaps open, it's like Mortal Kombat where it like opens up and then cuts them and then it like curls back up in. Yeah, the towel, it's it's yeah. attached to the towel by the other end of the slap bracelet. You know, they put it through with a towel to attach it. We shouldn't make fun of prison too much in case one of us end up there one day. I might not I'd say I'd end up there before you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't want to say I'm okay with that. None of us should go to prison. <laughs> None of us should. Hey, but it's a roof over our head, three meals a day, and we'd have better medical than we do now. <laughs> I feel, well, Alexander Hawk better help his friends out. So if we ever find ourselves in legal trouble, he's going to flip the bill for us, get us out of trouble. Now that he's a huge success. Yeah, yeah, hire one of his fancy attorneys for us. They're on call, on retainer at all times. <laughs> Boombastic media lawyers were hitting us up talking about speculations and stuff. Yeah, they, they'll help us out, maybe. Yeah, I told us that we need to stop talking about certain things already. Yeah. Before we get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> Our lawyer, uh, Vinny Boombat's doing a big. Doing, um, so the 90s, we're starting off with the 90s, a great time, very good times. Do you remember where you were at in 1990, what you were doing? I mostly like that was right. That was junior high school running around the neighborhood, causing chaos with all my friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was a better time. You know what I mean? Halloween yep. was definitely a lot better than that's for sure. Oh my God. They were so much more fun back then. Halloween's were like a, like a, like monster squad movie, like living it. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. a Spielberg movie back in the day, the good old days. You know, the good old days. It was like a, like a, like it, you know, the movie from 1990. Yep, we're officially old, so we can toss that up as our first movie from the 90s that's celebrating a birthday. We can, and the, uh, the, 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 the next film also is, is a part of getting old as well, we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it will go, well, we'll go from the get-go real quick. Anybody listening or watching at home who might be following our list can, uh, you know, we don't want to blow their mind off track. So first up, uh, Misery, that comes with getting old as well. You know, you, you, get <laughs> you know what I mean? Doesn't uh, have to be necessarily with getting, being old. You could be... 1990, directed by the meathead himself, Rob Reiner, uh, film royalty. Um, Stephen King adaptation, you know, his book, James Kahn, Kathy Bates. Um, not your typical horror film, but definitely um, elements of horrific nature within. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, for sure. You know, it, it's definitely psychological horror. It is kind of really great psychological horror when you think about it. You know, the, the it, it, Misery is one of, is really a great film. You know, great It really horror. is. And it's still, and even now, it, it still holds up to. You know, when it was released back in back in 1990. So it's true. It's like it's true to itself. It's, you know, it didn't, you know, like some movies aren't the same when you watch them after 30 years. 
I need to rewatch. Misery is kind of like uh, Silence of the Lambs, where um, I don't think they can like it, it's it, it, certain certain crowds consider it horror. Like it, it like Misery is a film that was probably nominated, maybe even won. Should have. It's it's a caliber of film like Silence of the Lambs won Academy Award. Yep. It was it was literally a horror movie. It's a serial killer film. You know what I mean. Um, in the same sense of this, Misery is like a horror film, but it's more psychological. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to be that writer. This is like if Alexander Hawk found the the writer of Doctor Who or something, and next thing you know, he's in his basement. Right. So that would be an X-rated film, unfortunately. <laughs> um. Next up on the list, 1990, a film that I know. Um, we both love very much, even though Mad Bell don't have the poster behind her today. It was the other day. Yeah, I switched locations. Yeah. Uh, we have It, you know, another Stephen King adaptation. Stephen King was fucking murdering it in 19... 19- he was, yeah, literally, he was killing it. No killing pun intended. It. Killing it in the 90s with the TV, made-for-TV movies and, you know... The few, the couple that did make it to cinema. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Well, nineties was a very, you know, that was a good time when he was really nineteen ninety, coming out of the eighties. He that was roughly he was probably having the best time of his life. Probably oh my god, it, I loved when it came out. Yeah, when it came out, I was souped because you know I got to stay up late to watch it. You know, because my mom was like, "Oh, what you want to watch it? Go ahead, stay up." She's like, "I don't care as long as you can get up to school in the morning." Uh, well, that's that's the key to it, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, for a TV movie, it had such a great cast. You know, you had Harry Anderson, um, of course, the late, great John Ritter, uh, you know, late, great Jonathan Brandis, Brandis. Tim Curry as Pennywise. I mean, Tim, Tim Curry as Pennywise is so iconic. Um, that's what realistically why people were being hard on that the reboot when it was coming. The, you know, they were rebooting a TV movie, which usually is not – an not an easy, uh, not a hard thing to mess up because usually TV movies lack a lot, you know what I mean? But this, yeah. movie, especially what, Pen- what what Tim Curry did with Pennywise, like they were very hard on, uh, what's his name? Um, Bill Skarsgård. Skarsgård had a lot of like big, big clown shoes to fill, you know? To fill. And I, and I, and you know what? And he did a phenomenal job. He knocked it out of the park playing Pennywise because whereas, you know, Tim Curry's, Penny, Pennywise was more comedic. Bill Skarsgård's was more scary. Yeah. He, you know, he was definitely more sinister than Tim Curry's portrayal. Yeah, it, it, it was too different. It's almost like when you were to say, like, you compare, like, Jack Nicholson's Joker with Heath Ledger's Joker type. Yeah. Deal. Yeah, so, like, if you want to you wanna call this, if you, like, so, like, with Steven, with it, I would definitely call this a good reboot. Yeah, they're both both imaginings of this character are like really good. You know what I mean? You got to plot it, which is hard to do when 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 one of them's already established and loved. To be able to make one that's dare I say maybe even loved a little more in the in the whole big scheme of things. You know what I mean? I I do. I know. I I love. I mean, I love Tim Curry. I loved the TV, you know, miniseries when that came out, but. I, I think between the two from the 1990 version and now, I like now. 
Yeah. It's true. Just because it's, it's, it's dark. It's, it's more so based to the book than the TV version was. Yeah. You know, the book, the, the TV version wasn't as dark as the book. Yeah, I, they're, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, that, that director did a really good job. I like that director. Forget his name off the top of my head real quick, but, uh, you know, Tommy Lee Wallace directed it, um, from the John Carpenter camp, you know, some of his friends with Carpenter, I believe he even played the shape in, 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 in the first movie at certain times. I know Carpenter did it at certain times. Um, Tony also did, of course, too, um, you know, but yeah, Tommy Wallace, director in his own right, I always give a good chuckle that he did that um, Dennis the Menace movie because I, I liked that as a kid with Walter. Yeah, that was cute. I yep. was a fan. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good time. But he did Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which, you know, later in life became more of a fan favorite that people love. But in the beginning, it must have been a little tough for him. He also did Fright Night Part 2, which is an interesting deal. That was a very... Um, that was a hard to get um, either Blu-ray or DVD for a while where it was real expensive. I remember luckily I have it, but um, yeah, Fright Night part two is an interesting deal. Um, uh, yeah, not a bad deal, but Tommy, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, I dig. Um, and anybody out there who hasn't seen Dennis the Menace, go check that out. Cause that's good. Walter Matthau. How can you not love Walter Matthau? Yeah, he was, he's a, he's a legend. He was a legend. Is still a legend, even though he's no longer with us. He's like everybody's grandpa. Grumpy old man, classic. Him and Jack Lemmon, classic. Oh my god, yes. Grumpy old man, grumpier old man. When, uh, the little old, the little old man that was, um, I want to say it was Walter Matthau. No, Jack Lemmon's father. Walter Matthau called Jack Lemmon a dickhead at one point, and grumpy old man, dude, and that made me pop so hard, dude. I was like, what? I love that. Yep. That he's classic. He he classic actor, you know. And he's one of oh, those the actors. insults back and forth between yeah. the two of them in that movie is hysterical. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. It was the first ever roast battle, you know what I mean? Yeah, between old people. Those are the best ones anyways. Um nineteen ninety also brought another classic film, you know, directed by Ron Underwood, you know what I mean? Starring Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. Fred Warren, Finn Carter, Michael Gross is up in here. Is this the horror version of Footloose? Living out of huh? The, the horror version of Footloose? Yeah, I thought Footloose was a. <laughs> um, Michael Gross, Tremors, of course. For anybody out there not knowing what's up, not knowing the deal, Tremors, awesome, love it. You know, it's almost kind of like a, a guilty pleasure, but you can be a little proud to like Tremors, I think. I mean, Tremors isn't that bad of a movie. They uh, Anything after the first one, yeah, the sequel then, it, then it becomes definitely a guilty pleasure movie at that point, because I don't think I've seen... We have an upcoming episode with the great Anthony Thurber about guilty pleasures, and we'll probably talk a little Tremors. There's a new Tremor film on Netflix I'll have to watch. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I, I'll have to watch that, too. I, I really haven't followed this series of movies that <laughs> because it's not one of my favorite ones but I mean like you said it, it's it's definitely a guilty pleasure type there was supposedly a pilot dropped for a TV show did you ever catch that yeah 
God, when did that came out? In like what? Not early... too long. Like in the last three or four years, I think. Ye- really? Was it that? Maybe recent? I believe Kevin Kevin Bacon was like in it. They've got Kevin Bacon back. All right, so I have not seen it then. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was really. Uh, it might not. It was most recently, but I mean, I remember hearing something about it, but I don't. I, I, I never it. seen it, and I remember hearing about it. I believe there was a pilot made, but I could even be wrong, and it might not have made it to that stage. But I believe there was like a pilot or maybe a couple episodes made, and then it just didn't fly, so it went under. Um, but yeah, Kevin Bacon supposedly returned for it. Maybe there was a teaser trailer or something made. But I mean, uh, this is one of but this is one of those movies that it'll probably get like a cult following. Oh, when, it does. You it, know, it does. It'll have sure. yeah, but it'll be more popular. You know, when we're a little older, <laughs> it'll probably have like. Yeah, more so of a following. I really like that. Yeah, that first one's really great. I really love that first one. That's the only one I really like of the, the the ones I have seen. I like the first one so much. I can probably get to the third one off of the momentum of how much I like the first one. But after the third I one, kind of, I gotta tap out. I gotta tap out. I don't know. I might not be able to get past the second one. If I go into the fourth one too deep without tapping out, I lose consciousness and die like David Carradine. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, from what I've seen about people that have seen the new one that just came out on Netflix, I don't know if I'm going to make it through that one. It's going to sit in the queue on Netflix forever. You'll need uh, you'll need a lot of four-leaf clovers to work your way through that movie, I think. Seriously. But that's what's fun about That's what the Tremor, Tremor movies were for. The Tremor franchise was really created for the drug trade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, probably show them how to move bricks for El Chapo. <laughs> El Chapo, uh, executive producer El Chapo. Um, Tremors is great. If there ever was a TV show, I'd support support the hell out of it because I really do love that first one a lot. And uh, we'll have to dive into the franchise soon in one of our every 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 Tremors gets ranked episode, which uh, we got some of them coming down the pike. I heard. Yep. Maybe not Tremors. Spoiler alert. Uh, opposite of a spoiler alert, because I don't think Tremors is coming that quick. That's what she said. No, it's just breathing hard. Ooh, getting hot and heavy, panting. <laughs> uh, next up, nineteen ninety. Um, you know, to go with Halloween three. Here's another film. There's another third film and a trilogy that got a lot more love later in life, and that is, of it's course, it. huh? The Exorcist? Trace. The Exorcist Trace <laughs> at, at Mexican, Mexicano, where, where, where I originally seen it as a child. Um, you know, William Peter Bat- Blatley, the boy who wrote the book, uh, got involved behind the director's uh, lens on this one. You know, and this one is a really dark movie. We talked about this recently with Brad Dourif, how yep. Brad Dourif goes hard in the paint on this one. Um. He don't play around, you know, George C. Scott, legendary, you know, classic uh, actor joins up going into a real horror from the Chang. He was in the Changling. Of course, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, but this is a whole different type of uh, horror ball game than the Changling. But you you a big uh, Exorcist 3 fan, Mel? Um, To be honest, I don't think I've seen it in a while. So it's one I'd have to revisit before I gave an actual answer to. Because I probably haven't, I I think I actually even own this and it's just been so long since I've watched it that I don't remember. 
Exorcist is another um, another franchise that we can do, which is nice, you know. You know, next up on our list is a film from 1990. You know why? Because every film on our list is from 1990. That film is Jacob's Ladder, starring a gentleman I don't regularly like a lot that much. I'm gonna have to be honest with the world. And I don't Tim Robbins, huh? Tim Robbins. Yeah, Tim Robbins and me. Don't I mean? I will say one thing about Tim Robbins. He recently did an interview with uh, Gilbert Gottfried on his podcast, and I did enjoy the interview. So maybe I'm coming around on him. But I mean, I don't mind him. I, I think he's better <coughs> in a comedic role as opposed to something that's more serious or, you know, scary. But I don't have any problems with him. I can't, like, other than Jacob's Ladder, there's, like, there's a few movies of his I like, but... It's one of those. He's one of those deals that I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to hate just because it's him. I don't got no hate like like James Momoa hate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tim Robbins is like just. I never kind of. He's one of. The, I don't. I. I just. He, I, I found him very. You know when you watch movies and you're supposed to like relate and find people likable and such. Like I've just never really kind of found that with him. Never hated him, but I've never kind of been able to relate or really kind of like his character, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that's not, I shouldn't, I don't know. He's, uh, there's a time and a place, you know what I mean? And, uh, he's, he's gone a little further in, in, in a, in a film career than I have. So I should probably shut my mouth. I mean, with, with him, my favorite, I think my favorite movie with Tim Robbins, it's not even, it's not even horror related. It's nothing to lose with Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence? Yeah. Nothing to lose. Yep, Tim no. Tim Robbins and and um, Martin Lawrence. Um, what's her name is in it? No, um, I'm guessing Martin Lawrence plays the wacky guy and Robbins plays the straight character, right? Yeah, um, that's, that's Ma- Martin Lawrence is Martin Lawrence's character installs security cameras and whatnot. Yeah, and Tim Robbins's character. Um, I forget how the whole thing goes down, but they end up being chased by thieves and people think it's them. I enjoy Robbins when he's playing like, uh, almost like a weird, like the weird, when he does the weird dummy character thing, whenever they make him come off any type of cocky and anything, I don't, I don't fly with that. I don't show up for that flight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, Cause he's going to lose it. Yeah. I get a very bad vibe in the airport on that flight, so I go home. Yeah, I don't want to watch this picture. Um, I'm going to stay here. But, you know, the late Danny Aiello's in that, too. Danny Aiello, of course, is most known for working with Frankie and Magamo from DJ Stan the Man on a film called Stiff. Um, anybody else who don't know that film might know, like, Do the Right Thing or Gigantic Catalog of Films. Worked with just about everybody. Um but you know Jacob's Ladder, we won't st- we won't focus on that too long. Uh, I've given. I want to the- check out. There's a there's a remake of it on Netflix. With, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Michael Michael Ely. Yeah, the the it's a weird. I mean, the the story to it's funky. You know what I mean? Like I could, I like like regularly. I think I dig the story. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, for mourning his dead child, a haunted Vietnam War veteran attempts to uncover his past while suffering from a severe case of disassociation. 
Uh, to do so, he must decipher reality and life from his own dreams, delusion, and perception of death. See, I'm all over that synopsis. Got me, got me going. Hell yeah. But uh, maybe I'll give it a rewatch. Later in life, I realize... It's real life. It's real life for anybody that's been in the military because a lot of them have to go, you know, deal with what his character does in this movie. You know, like post-war stress and whatnot. I caught the end of American Sniper yesterday to kind of bring up military. Um, the, what's his name? Bradley Cooper film. Yep. Watched it with my nephew, which was weird because I was telling him how it was a real story. Have you seen it? Have you seen the film? I haven't. I haven't seen it. I know there was a lot of controversy around Bradley Cooper playing that role, though, because he ha- he's so anti-gun, and then you know he's in a sniper movie. Well, Clint gave him the call, man. When Clint Eastwood gives you the call, you do it, no matter what. You don't turn it down, exactly. Um. Yeah, like the whole story of the dude is, I guess they, they polished, they, as usual, they polish it up to make people look a little better than they are, I guess. Yeah, but of course. The ending to it's wild. Uh, do you know the ending of the, like what happened with the story? I um, Like the, the real story? The real story is kind of horrific. It's it's very Matt Fisher ending in a film. It's um, so like he, become, he becomes a big war hero and he, he starts... Like, I think he, he feels unfulfilled type deal. He starts seeing a psychiatrist and, you know, he's like, I feel, I don't feel, I'm not saved. I, I, I used to save people. So like, I'm not failing it. So the guy's like, you know, what you should do is you should start spending time with these people that were wounded, the troops that were wounded and stuff like that. And, you know, people that kind of come back and can't really fit into society and stuff, you know, they need people to talk to like close it, been through it. And he kind of becomes like a counselor type deal for these people. And he brings him, he brings him out to the range. He was a big gun guy, and they, he brought him out to the range, and they'd shoot targets and stuff, and it'd big him up, you know, give him good for their confidence and just being around, you know. But he was a hero too in society's eyes, so to speak. So like they were down. It was a good deal for them to hang with them. So long story short, I guess there was a marine whose mother reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, my son's going through a bunch of really dark shit. He was, you know, he was deployed. He's back." He's not fitting in, you know, needs friends and all that. Can you help him out? So he said, all right. He took him into his, like, program deal where he was going to, you know, brought him out shooting and tried to, like, counsel him and talk to him and stuff. And supposedly the dude was just too tapped out. And supposedly while at the range, the kid just shot him, like, five times in the head and, like, waited for the police to come. And I don't exactly remember why. I probably should have left. Um, I don't exactly remember why the dude killed him of, outside of, like, Jacob's Ladder type shit. You know what I mean? Where yeah, he's that post-traumatic stress. Up. Took something, you know, it could have been minuscule. It could have been something stupid. Like, you know, he probably said something that, you know, triggered something in the other guy's head. And, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that happens like that when people have suffered a traumatic event. You know, it, 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 he could have just said a certain word or something that triggered something in the other guy's memory and, you know, caused him to go postal. Well, I, I don't know. I I won't speculate on people that pass, but I feel like <clears throat> the take that I got is that that dude was almost kind of like a bullyish yeah. <laughs> type character. And even though he was doing good things and such, I think, um, I don't know, maybe he, that's the thing. Even if you're giving hard times lovingly to the wrong person, you can offend him and the wrong, you offend the wrong person that doesn't, 
that killing isn't a big deal and you got a gun in their hand, like that's probably not the best scenario you want to be in. Yeah, I, I, I don't think um, my first thing would have been like, yeah, okay, you just came back from war. Let's go to a shooting range. That wouldn't have been my first uh, planned outing for somebody that was dealing with a situation. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, um, that would be like that would be like, you know, taking me to a shooting range after I just got out of Butler. Don't do it. <laughs> while like telling you that it'd be it wouldn't it wouldn't it be better if we were shooting people instead of targets the whole time. And you're like, Well Depends on who the people are. <laughs> and that's the answer that gets me taken back to Butler. <laughs> you look at my big back, you look at a Matt Fisher's big back and you're like I bet I could hit that with every shot. <laughs> I wouldn't want to shoot you, though. You haven't given That's me a nice. reason to want to. I well, mean, there's no. other people that I could think of that no. I would love to shoot, but, you know, that now it's, if I say their names, it's going to be premeditated. You, you wouldn't find yourself at a shooting range with those folks, though. Oh, God, I wouldn't find myself at a shooting range. I know how to shoot. The shooting range would be as empty as the theaters were in 1990 when Predator 2 came on the big screen. <laughs> Predator 2, of course, not as great as the first one, but still fun. You got Gary Busey. You got Gary Busey in there who, when he ever, <laughs> Gary, especially 90s, where I think cocaine was still in his system a lot, you got great Gary. Uh, Gary was in his system? Yeah. I don't think he got cocaine in his system anymore. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I have a dream, at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Danny Glover Danny was Glover. Of course, making his way uh, into uh, his own realm, starring Danny Glover. There wasn't too many starring Danny Glover vehicles that were action films, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, because he co-starred with Mel, and uh, when they were lethal weapons running around. And we're not talking about me. We're talking about Mel Gibson. Not you know. We're talking about the re- the real Mad Mel. The, the real Mad Mel for real. The Braveheart. Like him and Nas, <laughs> him and Nas are a part of the Bravehearts. Um, yeah, this. What do you think of Predator Two? I'll be quite honest; I've never watched it. It's Predator in the city, pretty much. It's like in the hood. It's Predator in the hood. <laughs> Predator in the hood. <laughs> pretty much, like that's what they were. You know, it was. It takes Predator takes Manhattan. You know what I mean? I, I, and the funny thing is about it is like I've seen all the other Predator movies. Because, you know, they decided, you know, they did all the the newer ones came out and then they did like the Alien versus Predator movies. But for whatever, for whatever reason, I have not seen this one. Big franchise. Big franchise. Especially once they started merging it with Alien. Once they knew they could really exploit the hell out of it. That's when they they got money out of that trick. They whooped that trick. Um, Next up, Flatliners. You know, are you familiar with Flatliners? <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm very familiar with Flatliners. About the rap group. Oh, you mean the movie? Yeah, the movie. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to add that. Yeah, I actually, I've always really enjoyed this one. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's just something about why would you want to play with death? Because, you know, death isn't a scary enough thing that's going to happen at some point, you know, hopefully later rather than sooner. But I don't want to sit there and tempt fate. 
Well, I don't know. I, I enjoy kind of what they're doing, but it was like, I mean, yeah. phenomenal cast. Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, William Baldwin. Yeah. Can't go wrong, but still, I'm not tempting fate. And yeah. I, well, yeah, like I, I wouldn't do it myself, but I could understand them doing it. You know, there's, they're, 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 yeah, they're doing it for, students. yeah, doing it for medical purposes, but still, you're going to see enough death. Being a doctor. Well, the thing is, is this is I think it's a matter of when you deal with so much of life and death, and you 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 feel like there the science to it. So you feel like if there's a science to it, then it can all, it can be like yeah, try to ease that pain. You know what I mean? Like I really like yeah. the idea of it. Joel Schumacher directed it too, um, of Lost Boys and a bunch of other things. Um, Big in the nineties. Uh, falling down, another classic film close close to around the time this came out, a little later, I think. Um, but yeah, Flatliner, they re- later rebooted this movie. I never seen the reboot. The reboot was absolutely big bag of dog shit. Yeah. <clears throat> I believe, I haven't watched this in a long time. I know, I remember, I remember really liking it. I remember it had a really good, cool opening line where the dude's like, Kiefer Sutherland's on the beach and he's like looking out over the beach and he's like, it's a good day to die. Yeah. I thought that was a good, like, good, good, it'd be a good sample for a song or something. Um, but yeah, Flatliner is a good time. I don't think I'll watch the reboot, but it, uh, I will rewatch this hopefully soon to re- refresh my memory. Um, next up, the sequel uh, to. Anthony Thurber's favorite horror film of all time. Uh, starring the great Jeffrey Combs, uh, you know, coming back. We also got Bruce Abbott in the building. You know what I mean? Classic. Brian Usna, you know, uh, Society. We talked about him not too long ago. Yep, great director. You know, he's a great director. He, uh, I don't, he doesn't get kind of the appreciation he should. He did some producing that he probably gets probably a little more, maybe a little more praise. Acknowledgement for. for. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's done a lot of cool shit, uh, whether producing or directing. He's uh, he's had his hand in some cool things. But Bride of Reanimator, you know what I mean? You've seen this. I think we talked about this recently as well. Yeah, actually, I just I I, I just watched it not that long ago, but it <laughs> I just love it. It's funny to me. Yeah, yeah, it's classic. You know, Ar- yeah. Arrow. Just put out a really good version Blu-ray of this. I think it was Arrow box set type dealy. Um, we're gonna get more into this on another <laughs> for another there show. Some, there might be something else coming on this franchise soon. Spoiler alert! Um, but yeah, the reanimator, uh, brighter reanimator is a good one. It goes into Beyond as well, which Beyond isn't that bad. It's kind of it's a step down, I feel, but like it's not a bad movie. I haven't seen that one. That's the only one of the of the three that I haven't seen yet. In the, um, it's a little more low budget, I think. It, it was probably difficult to get the money for it. Uh, I don't think it was Full Moon. I think it was Artisan or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember it being actually like not that bad. Like usually when you get to the third one, it's kind of tough. But like. I felt like they handled it well, you know what I mean? Like it went, Yeah. But I, I should go back and rewatch the third one as well. I'm going to rewatch them all, spoiler alert, pretty soon. Next up, a film that, you know, when people say 
hardly ever the what what sequel is better than the original. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'd be quick to say that that was the circumstance with this, but I would say it's up for debate, of course. And that would be, you know, Chucky's back. Saku, yep. Child's Play 2. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think they, they, had a, they could, there was a little more they could do with the effects, I think, in the second one that they couldn't do in the first that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Everybody automatically jumps to, you know, moments like the teacher getting killed and stuff like that, which is big. And the the ending, I think it has one of the best. The ending when they're at the toy factory. Yep. It has one of the best endings. Uh, yeah. Sequences of the whole franchise. Yeah, that was that was definitely a good time to to watch. Part two is is. Uh, I think it's one of my one of of the bunch. It's one of the the favorites. Yeah. No, I agree with that for sure. I definitely, it's difficult. I really got to rewatch them to really t- to tell you my opinion of which one I think would be better one or two. I'll let you borrow them. I own them all. Oh, I own them all. <laughs> I, own them all. Yeah, sure. I, I bought that nice little box set when it came out. That's day one horror too. If you haven't watched, if you call yourself a horror fan, you haven't watched Child's Play 2 yet, you need to call a doctor. Or even Child's Play or any of them in general. Yeah. Our fan, you should have digested that. That's one of those franchises. That's very on the surface horror. Um, you know, you know what I mean? So, yep. What can you do? Another sequel came out that, 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 that uh, year, a sequel to Billy. One of my favorites. Billy Coyne loves this one. You you can't go wrong with gremlins too. The new batch, the new batch, Joe Dante, Matt, you know, Great, great filmmaker has his own style. Always, uh, always love that. Big fan of that. Had the love of my life, Phoebe Cates, in there. She's uh, just so cute. Like, she is. She really. There's is. nothing she's. There's nothing she's been in that wasn't a good film. She retired to give Kevin Klein kids, and I'll never forgive Kevin Klein because feeling you, girl. She not only could she have done more films. She should have been with a better man than Kevin Klein, like Alex Ock or something. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I'm too emotional. We got to move to the next movie. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Texas. 3. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Jeff Burr, you know, did a lot of films in his own right. Yep, uh, show show friend Kate Hodge. Kate Hodge, your girl, Kate Hodge. My, my buddy, yeah, yeah. my newfound yeah. friend. Ken Foray is in there chilling. Billy yep, R. Malaloff. Billy Butler, one of Billy Coyne's dudes. R. A. Mal- yep, yep, doing it big. Choked me at Rock and Chuck, and I did, and I let him do it without me passing out on the floor from PTSD. He's taking Kane's joke. I wonder who did it first. I shouldn't joke. <clears throat> R. A. is a very intimidating looking dude. I do it like it's wait, all right. So he was at the last rock and shock I went to in, I think 2018, I think that was the one he was at. It might've been the year before. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. I, I just walked by his table a good portion of the weekend and was like, yeah, no, I'm not going up to him. Cause he, you know, he looks like a big biker dude because, you know, he's sitting there with the leather cut. Yeah. And a tank top and, you know, his black denim jeans and the biker boots. And he just looks like, you know, he's sitting there with that look on his face. Like, he's just going to murder you as you walk by. So I kind of, like, 
put it off and put it off. And there was finally one point in the weekend where he didn't have anybody at the table. And I went up to him and he choked me. And I was like, I could feel the hot flash. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> coming over me. And I'm like, oh, my God. But I was like, I got through it. And then I told him after that. And he's like, oh, you should have said something. I would have never done it and started apologizing. He was like, I never want to, you know, do that to a fan and have it trigger something. <laughs> I was like, no, it's okay. I didn't cry, so we're all right. <laughs> you should like fall on the ground and flop around like a fish, like yeah. Gonna... I, I I think he would have just been. He would have just felt bad if I had just started crying. I think that would have been enough for him. <laughs> you think of all the free merch you could have got. Right. I I even a kid though. I got a picture with him choking me. I wish I got more pictures. I was like, a, my convention deal goes, I came in hard and heavy with autographs, and autographs was a big deal for me. And then there was a period of time where, like, I didn't do, I didn't really buy any, I didn't really, for, there was a period of time like I, where I really do the, the meet and greet thing that much. I'd cruise through, but I wouldn't buy stuff type deal. And then like, I, I like, I, I'll buy stuff here and there, depending on what it is, and, but I, I'm all about, I prefer, you know, the whole meet and greet thing, you know, maybe getting a picture. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm all about getting the picture, getting a picture taken, like taking pictures of everything, you know, especially now with everything going on with COVID and whatnot. I, you know, it's nice to be able to go back and look through the pictures and be like, oh my God, do you remember when this, when we did this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm more of a picture guy now with it. Um, I wish I was my whole life. There's times when I, when I did like the, a lot of shows back in the day, I, sh- I shot some cool shows for some cool artists and like. Yeah, because it's funny because you like, guys like. Cool to get a picture. Then I didn't want to be that dude being like, "Let me get a pic." Um, but nowadays, I, 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 I kind of wish I had pics. You know, certain people are dead and stuff, and it's like. Yeah. You know, I really wish. Like I a lot had- of people like to bust my chops because they, you know, they call me the paparazzi. Because if I'm there, I'm taking pictures because like. Right. I could die tomorrow or somebody that's it, uh, it there can die tomorrow. Yeah. It would matter. Your picture would matter to other people if you died tomorrow. I don't think you'd be worried about pictures if you died tomorrow. No, I wouldn't be worried about pictures, but like just to have the memories or, you know, someday, you know, yeah, give it to my nephew. Some, you know, my nephew can have these, this, these things some one day and, you know, be able to see, you know, kind of stuff that TT did when she wasn't around. Right. Yeah. We got, we just got too dark. Let's bring it back. Not too cheap. Let's go back to reality and get back to Frankenhooker. That'll liven it up real quick. Let's light up the load with Frankenhooker. You know, the Frank Lauder masterpiece. Uh, James, James Lorenz. I will oh, yeah. never forget meeting him. Uh, Patty Mullen, too. You, uh, you got to meet James Lorenz? Yes, it? at the very first Scarecon in uh, 2016 that in Springfield. He oh, like- he was. I have a picture with him. He um, invited me back to his hotel room. He, he invited me back to his hotel room too. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, come back to the hotel room party. You know, we can we should hang out and blah 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 blah." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome, but no, thank you." That's funny. Well, that's a badge of honor, right? How do how does a horror a female horror fan look at that? Which I'm I'm curious. Well, I didn't know who he was at the time. I hadn't seen Frankenhooker. <laughs> I saw Frankenhooker after that. <laughs> Frankenhooker, you should maybe you should get a Frankenhooker. 
Well, the funny thing is, is when I met, like when I met him and had a pro, I was with Gail from the Scream Sisters and she's like a big fan of Frank Hooker and him. So we, her and I were walking around the convention together and, you know, she was, she, I think she had gone over to ask him about being on their show and that's how I met him. And he thought it was funny that, you know, I had no idea who he really was and I hadn't. I hadn't seen Frankenhooker at the time, but now it's like, it's a good release if you need something funny to watch just because it's so ridiculous. Oh, Frankenhooker is great, great times. Another movie, if you want to have some Folly's Clovers, you'll, you'll, you'll take a good dive. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting him on the show. It'd be a cool interview because he was in a couple cool flicks. He was recently in The Irish. He's great. Yeah, that's, and that was a really good movie too. He has like, a he's he's got a great personality. Him. He has a great look and a cool personality, and he's like one of those dudes that, in that era, like in that that time, like he he, he was a kind of all over the place. He's he's in some other really weird, obscure movie. I almost want to say he's in Wise Guys, the Brian Del Palma movie, um, with Devito and Piscopo, but I don't want to I don't want to put the stamp of approval on that because I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, he's definitely good times. So and Hannah Lauder is the bomb diggity. It'd be great to get him on the show, but he don't do no interviews. Um, he don't do much anything really. He does every now and then he'll do a project of his own. Uh, we tried to reach out to him for numerous projects in the past because uh, we're very uh, big fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Next up, Nightbreed from Clive Balka. You know, I love our- this movie. I've only directed three films, and this was one of them. Oh, Craig Schaefer, our boy. We talked about him in the last one. David um, Cronenberg. Cronenberg, popping heavy, doing it big. And Bobby's killing it, too, and Charles Hayde, of course. Yeah. I absolutely there. love this movie. Huh? You love it? I love this movie. I don't – there's just something about it. It's a creature feature, you know? It's one of – if you're a yeah. And it's kind of like an outcast movie, so I think horror fans get touched by it in a certain way. Yeah, because you wouldn't think, you know, with it being a horror movie, there'd be friendly monsters in it. Yeah, Clive Barker was, like, the first one to really kind of do that. Um, Followed by, like, Guillermo del Toro, I think, has that vibe, too, with the monsters... They're very, they're the sympathetic monster. Even, you know, Gary Sherman, to go back to him, our buddy Gary, you know, he made a movie called Raw Meat or Deathline, the original name. And in it, within it, the monster is kind of sympathetic where you feel bad for him. And that was kind of one of the first times you've seen that. And I know that that film heavily influenced Guillermo del Toro. Um, and that Guillermo is very, like, very, uh, very supportive and a big fan, um, you know, to Gary, which is good. And like, not just like from afar, like they, they're friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's always bigging them up, um, which is good. You know, I always love to see when the, the, the newer folks show respect to the older folks, because you don't catch that that often, especially in an entertainment deal where there's a lot of ego and stuff. Yeah. Even in like, underground film there's a lot of weird deal where like people don't like to show respect for people that have been there for a while you know what i mean it's a weird deal but next up tales from the dark side um not the television show which was a big deal uh in its own right yeah 
this was a fr- the first of a franchise too. This franchise fell off pretty hard and quick, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there was much much more after. Yeah, John Harrison directed it from the Romero camp. You know what I mean? Uh, he also did some of the Creep Show TV shows. We talked about him recently with yep. that, and he did the scoring. Um, you know, it was cool back in the day. You would see more things like people coming from people's camps. You know, Carpenter's yeah. camp, you know, and, and Romero's camp and Argento's camp, you know. And, and, and it's not and it's not bad to, you know, have that tag tied to your name. You know, it'd be like Matthew Fisher from George Romero's camp or Matthew Fisher from John Car- Carpenter's camp. You know, that's not a bad thing. Uh, none of those are bad things. I like the ring of all those things. And I'm going to repeatedly l- listen to you say that. <laughs> all the time. I enjoy that. It'll make me feel happy. Make me a happy guy, you know what I mean? But uh, it's yeah, I, Tales from the Dark Side is good, good, good deal. Um, you, you got any thoughts on Amer- uh, Tales from the Dark Side? It's been a really long time since I've watched it. Um, I was a big fan of Debbie Harry, yeah. <laughs> you know, back then. So I didn't mind her and like Matthew Lawrence, you know, I grew up having a crush on his brother. So I watched it because he was in it. Matthew Lawrence. Oh, no, Joey Lawrence. Yeah. That's his brother. Little brother. There's some Joey Lawrence is, whoa, was so big that it, it just overwhelms the whole family. Yeah. They, they, they're all known for, well, I bet, I bet literally what I just, he's did, known from that, but I've known Joey Lawrence since he was on, what was it? Um, he did a show at Nell Carter back in the early 80s. That was That's his first thing. Nell Carter is where it's at. Rest in peace, Nell Carter. Yep. That was good time. For real. Yeah. But not, not the show. Um, next up, another sequel. Fred, another Frank Hannah Lauder. had a busy year here. This might have been Hannah Lauder's most successful year, thinking of it, popping off right here, Basket Case 2, which is the sequel to... Um, sequel I don't know, could it be Basket Case? Kind of big, his, his big you know, film that kind of blew him up, Basket Case. Um, so that was probably not a big day, but he probably made some type of money on this, uh, as well as Frankenhooker, which is arguably maybe his best film, um, you know, I think Brain Damage is a good film, but I think it's a little more under the radar than than, than Basket Case One and Frankenhooker. Um, between those last two, I'd probably say Frankenhooker is the better film. So, like, it was definitely, I feel, a good a good year for Frank. For and, sure. And the hooker of Frankenhooker. <laughs> um, Tom Savini was getting his... his Big directorial cherry pop yeah. Night of the Living Dead remake. Yep, yep, yep. With Tony Todd, of course, very good. Yeah, Patricia. Yeah, Patricia Tallman, Tom Towles. Yeah, Tom Towles, rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. Key Anderson, uh, Tom Towles, man, good times, always a pleasure. He was he was very friendly. Um, I remember I had him on my Facebook page at one point you know, prior to him passing and, you know, he was trying to find somebody to like rehome his cats. And at the time I was seriously contemplating a road trip to go get the cats. 
That would have been cool. I'm sure. I'm sure they went to a loving home. Yeah, I mean, I would have been in a loving home if I had it too. But it, it just, it, <laughs> I like, know, you just felt, it. you just felt really bad because yeah, you know no, you could know. see, you could just see that he, you know, he just wanted to make sure his poor cat had a good home before he passed, and that like broke my heart. <laughs> it's sad. It's another one of the with the horror communities. You know, when we talk about, uh, you know, the. How the, the you know the people from these films they catch the love. Uh, it's good that they catch the love. You know, I'm sure he caught. It's I'm sure being with with social media. I'm sure he was able to get an outpouring of love in, in that dark time. Yeah, I could appreciate that. You know what I mean? For uh, sure. Tom, Tom's another dude who per- fits perfectly into that category of pictures for me because I got his autograph on an eight by ten, and I wish I got. Uh, well, I wish I got the pick to pick too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a selfie. And that was back at a time when it wasn't twenty extra twenty bucks for a selfie, extra ten bucks. That I met him back in the day when people weren't going nuts with prices, and it was like everything was reasonable, and it was like you know it wasn't such a strong arm thing. You go to someone's table nowadays the price is so high that you just feel awkward you know what i mean like i'm a fan. Uh, yeah like you you want to take a selfie with me okay that's 40 dollars. okay i'm gonna give you 40 dollars to take a picture with my phone sure they're like i don't want a bad experience like matthew fisher and J- james momoa what the fuck is going on over here? <laughs> I, so then they pay the money and then they have like a funky fucking um i remember because um it was alana masterson um because she was on Walking Dead. She was doing a Comic-Con. I, I think it was like one of her first Comic-Con appearances or whatever. And on her table, she had her sign for her prices. You know, like they all, most of them do. Yeah. And it, it was, she wanted $50 for a selfie. You know, and then, you know, they have like the combo prices. If you, you know, purchase an autograph, you can have the selfie for like 20 instead. So it'd be like $60 altogether for her autograph and a selfie. But yeah. people were laughing, like, you're a nobody. How do you feel like charging like fifty dollars somebody fifty dollars just to take a picture of with you on their phone? The same thing that happened with Momoa where I gave him I gave the, the, the awkward face and he gave me the eye. It's just it was just even funnier though, because like when you take into consideration the fact that she was doing professional photo ops that weekend and her professional photo op is cheaper than what she wanted to do for a selfie. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, you kind of look stupid, honey. <laughs> Your professional photo op is only $40, and you're charging people 50 for a, a selfie at the table. The best story is a buddy of mine, like, laughed, and there was a wrestler <laughs> who wanted, like, ridiculous money, and my buddy, like, laughed in his face. Um, with the Momoa thing, it was funny because we we're, t- like, 10 feet away from each other, so... If it got too physical, it would have got broken up from from the, the people's eyebrow. But <laughs> this, with a wrestling thing, you're like right there at the booth talking to them directly. Yeah, and, uh, that was one of the funniest moments. Bye, I love you. And uh, <laughs> Two Evil Eyes is our next film up. Now, this is a film that you haven't seen. No, I haven't. There's actually a couple on this list that I haven't seen. Um, considering what the storyline is, I kind of want to watch it, find it, and watch it. Yeah, Dario Argento, George Romero mashup. Yep, can't go wrong with that. That's a great combination. 
I remember the AJ first. AJ and Barbo, Harvey Keitel, like, I can't believe I haven't seen it just because of those two names alone. Yeah, this is a good, this is a good deal. I, uh, I definitely get down with this heavy. Uh, I remember the first time watching it, renting it from the video gallery in Rockland, Massachusetts. I later came, later bought the VHS from them. I own it to this day. Um, great. This is, this is great. It's Edgar Allan Poe, I believe, stories, um, by masters, you know, Argento and, uh, and George, people kind of forget sometimes that they were a part of the same camp too. Um, Argento was involved with Dawn of the Dead. He, and he, he released it, I think in Italy and, and in other foreign places. Um, like there, that's why there's like an Argento cut to Dawn of the Dead that you can get that has the humor, like, there's less humor in that cut of it, you know what I mean? It's more... Well, now I'm going to have to go find that version. Yeah, there's a box set, there's a Dawn of the Dead box set that, um, I remember there's the folks that played the zombies used to have them, used to be able to get them at their booths back in the day. Um, they're probably a little more scarce now, but it came it comes with, like, four different type versions of the film. I had... It, there's an actual Argento cut that Anchor Bay released that I have as well. I mean, it, if I ever see you again, we'll do. Yeah, if we ever see each other in person again. <laughs> There's so many movies to watch if we ever see each other again, you know what I mean? Yeah, or oh, we're just going to have to start having Zoom meetings where we watch movies. If we could figure it out, dude, I, I support I support that. Uh, it'd have to be, we'd have to figure out a way how to do it. Um, Two Evil Eyes, definitely check it out. You'll love it, and uh, great time. It sounds like it's a fantastic movie, you know, just from what it is. It's just one that I somehow missed. It was the original Grindhouse without the trailers, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's sounds good to me. And I like Edgar Allan Poe. I've always been a fan of his, so that would captivate me enough to sit and watch it. If, you know, it wasn't for the fact that Dario Argento and George Romero are the ones that put the movie out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good deal. I think you'll dig it. I know for a fact you'll dig it. Yeah. Well, I think Coolidge did a screening not too long ago, too. If not, they should. And we, uh, as we say, I would dig it, we go into the next movie, which is Buried Alive. <laughs> believe it. Yeah, Buried Alive. TV movie that I've never in my life seen. What's funny about this movie is um, I have seen it. And up until this moment, I never realized Frank Darabont directed it, which is is kind of a fun tie-in. But yeah, this is something a TV movie that I remember I've watched it a few times on TV, and I actually looked forward to seeing it. And I almost feel like there's almost a TV sequel to this, where there was a part two. I feel there could even have been a three, but I could be dead wrong. But yeah, no pun intended. This was huh? <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. Jennifer Jason Lee. The heat of her autumn, you know she's still yeah. she's still great, but that was when she was uh, on the come up. Tim Matheson's all, also in there. Willem Adderton, Hoyt Axton was doing it big. He was asking a bunch of questions from the director and what he should be doing, and the director was like, "Yo, this is what you should be doing, yo." Buried um, <laughs> Alive is a good deal. I um I like it. You've never seen it. I wonder if it's it uh, on Prime. I guess so. I have Prime, so I can look it up on there and find it. If I not, I have other means to find it. I tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch this myself, and maybe we'll dive in. But yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, Darabond, like we said before, 
his biggest uh, his biggest contribution to horror. You know, he's done a lot of cool stuff. The Mist was him. He wrote, I believe, Nightmare on Elm Street three or four, or maybe five. I feel, yeah, I forget I maybe, which one. I, I want to say maybe five. Um, but his contribution to The Walking Dead, he was the original dude who brought The Walking Dead to television. So that's probably his biggest, just because how big that became, you know what I mean? Right, and I doubt anybody saw that that was going to be as big as it is. Yeah, I mean, he did it first, so he was the first one to pick up on uh, what it could, you know, the ex- the, 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 potential. the potential. Yeah, the potential there. So um, next up, William Friedkin's The Guardian. Okay. I don't. I don't think I've seen this. To be honest, I've, I've seen this film. I'm a big fan of it. This film actually has influence on a film that I'm getting ready to make. Spoiler alert. Um, but Could this, this is be movie, one that I'm participating in. You're, you're part of all of them. And uh, <laughs> trick question, yeah. Um, the Guardian is a really cool flick. Um, I won't get too deep into it, but uh, no, just from what I mean, just from what they have written there about the movie, it yeah, sounds like something. I mean, you know, so it, they, it sounds uh, interesting. A young couple with a newborn baby don't realize that the nanny they hired is a magical nymph who sacrifices infants to an evil tree. Um, it kind of it kind of sounds like um, Pan's Labyrinth, you know? <laughs> yeah, like it it it. it uh, it's uh, not the same, not the same type of deal, but you know, like the mystical, the, the mystical aspect and whatnot. It's a little more slashery than, than a pan's labyrinth. Than that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the picture, the picture looks more slasherish than a pan's labyrinth type. Yeah. It's got a, um, you know, there's a big classic scene. This was also, I brought up the Boogeyman compilation DVD a couple episodes ago, uh, which I think anybody who was kind of a horror fan probably picked that up on DVD because that was kind that was kind of like a big deal I think for horror fans, even though it, it was kind of like a documentary on the slasher icons, yeah, Boogeyman if you will, uh, which everybody loves seeing. You know, nowadays you get it every that shit's everywhere. Um, it's on every special feature and stuff like that, but like it wasn't as around then. So that was cool. But yeah, the guardian was a film that was on there that I always made note in my head because there was a few movies that were very obscure that made that list. And the guardian was one of them made that. that. Yeah. I'm going to like, like I said, there's a few movies on this list that I haven't seen that I'm going to have to get on board and, you know, be able to say, Finally, after, you know, a million years that I actually have seen it. Yeah. Get up on it. Damn, it feels good to see people up on it. <laughs> um, yeah. And the next title completely just, just you know, describes me. Brain dead. Brain dead. <laughs> In a showdown of man versus machine, Martin plunges into a chaotic nightmare trying to save his mind from the Megalomania Corporation. Um, I don't from think Adam Simon. I don't either, but it's got Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton, 
and Nicholas Pryor. So it can't, how bad could it be? Yeah, Bud Court. It's interesting. Um, I've seen this. I've seen the cover art before. Yeah. I might even own it, (laughs) but I don't think I've ever seen it because that description didn't ring a bell for me. But I I also, it sounds cool, though. It almost has like a society vibe, like it'd make a cool double feature with society. Yeah, because like even from the artwork, you know, that's pictured with it, it definitely has that whole society vibe to it. Yeah. So I definitely want to look that up. That's on Prime, too, so maybe we'll dive in that hole. Um, Next up, A Cat in the Brain. Uh, I believe the the final film of Lucio Fulci, if I remember correctly, but I could be incorrect on that. Um, You know, this is a weird, fun movie. You know, it's a movie I did, you know, it's worth having. It's not, like, the best of his films, of course. I will say the soundtrack is actually better than the film. I own both, and if I had to pick one of the I gotta other- admit, like, I think horror movies, most most horror movies have pretty dope soundtracks. The soundtrack usually is super dope on that, yeah. Same thing with, like, westerns and stuff like that, and even old action, you know, Euro crime and, you know, worry yeah. things, because it really moves along the film, the story, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but yeah, you'll get a lot of really good... You You do, you do happen to find a lot of really cool scores in horror uh old horror movies but it's re- i think it's really because they're trying to the music really helps move the the, the story and stuff <clears throat> instead of just like sound effects it's actually like part of the story you know what i mean um yeah this one's interesting because it's about it fulci's actually a character and he plays himself kind of which is weird um like I said before, worth the watch. You haven't checked this one out? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Like, <laughs> all the movies on this list, near the end of this list, I haven't seen most of them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, next up, Initiation, Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. I'm going to be honest with you. I After, like, part two, I think I fell off of the fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night wagon. Uh, yeah. And I know that there's certain ones people like. And there's, I know there's, 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 there's garbage day, that whole deal that uh, is a big, big situation. It was even referenced in Ground Dog, and that's a complete Dave Maggot reference because I've never seen fucking the movie. I knew the reference, but I wouldn't, I'd want to watch the movie before I paid reference, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's definitely not what I've seen. So, uh, The Amityville Curse. Another yeah. one I haven't seen because a lot of those were just pure garbage. It's called horrifying. Yeah, it's truly horrifying. The Amityville Curse, like we said, I think somewhere else, you know, that was a film that kind of uh, direct to DVD type of thing or direct to home video type movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, the poster looks pretty dope, but I th- I feel like the film. That's itself, probably the best part about the movie is the poster. <laughs> probably is. But, uh, <laughs> I do support that poster. I will say. Yeah, the poster is pretty dope. I wouldn't mind doing an Amityville marathon. I got to cut off where they, all the new ones that people just do because they want to try and capitalize on the name. But yeah, I, I have I have one of the them. I just don't. No, it's, not a box set. I have like one individual random Amityville movie. It just it's one of the later ones. I I found it at like a, a flea market or something one day, and I grabbed it. Yeah, there's a yeah because there's a. There's a box set with like the first four or the first five or something like that. Um, 
that I wouldn't mind owning. I wouldn't mind owning the house box set as well that I don't. I think the house box set fucking is expensive now, unfortunately, on Blu-ray. It's like super fucking expensive. I think Arrow put it out or something. Something. Um, but next up. Bandwaza? Yeah, I'm not familiar with this one. That's completely got to be. something. Yeah, I don't even. I like the poster art, though. The cover poster art is very cool. Pretty dope. I do support that, yeah. Um, I'll be honest, Baby Blood, I've never seen Baby Blood either, have you? Nope, and I've never even heard of anybody that's in it either. Yeah, I think that might be Foreign. Foreign. Uh, Blood Moon, um, for some reason, is not ringing a bell with me. Me neither. It's a good thing we're not betting on this one right now. No, we just hit a real lull in this one. We're, we're yeah, seriously. Summer Party Massacre 3, I've never seen, um, because I stopped watching after the first one on that one. Uh, I'll be honest with you right there. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you on that. Some of these, I got to dip into some of these franchises, and I have a lot of, I got a lot of them that I just bought to have that one day when I was an old man, I was going to watch it. Unfortunately, now I'm an old man. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> it's, it's time to pay up. Uh, Maniac Cop 2, classic, classic. And I haven't watched it. I don't think I've, I've, honestly, I have never seen any of the Maniac Cop movies. We just talked Maniac Cop 2 recently, so we won't go too deep into it. But it's classic, um, you know, William Lustig, great, you know, filmmaker. Uh, Robert Davi from The Goonie himself, um, kicking it, killing it. You know, killing a big time Bruce Campbell in there, but like I say, every time I bring up this, movie, I heard it's like you know, super slasher. Yeah, I think it's he's his can't, like previous footage. Maniac Cop's always a great deal. Nicholas Winding Refn was going to reboot Maniac Cop recently, which was with the time and everything. I thought would have been so fucking perfect timing. It would have been great. I, I think he's like a great filmmaker. Lustig was attached. I remember when me and Bill Coyne met Lustig at Coolidge. He actually talked about how him and Refn were doing um, the Maniac Cop reboot. And that was a cool moment because I fucking love Nicholas Winding Refn. He's great. And um, I know he'd do justice to the project, which I don't know what's going on with it now. Um, it could be dead. Sure, I, yeah, I'm sure with COVID, that's not helping them with uh, getting a reboot made. It's not, but I tell you what, everybody was hating the police and stuff right before COVID popped off, dude. Like the, the climate, especially. They were when hating we the police. The political, yeah, to go back to the political horror from the, uh, the you know, episode we just did. Like, there's no better political horror film you could make than Maniac Cop reboot right now. Seriously. Would I would look, so, Maniac Cop that. reboot from Jordan Peele. Well, <laughs> and everything. I'd like to kind of, I'd like to see somebody else reboot it. Let's slow him down a little bit. I'd like to see Nicholas Winding Refn reboot it with beautiful colors and make it like a weird, like a... Like Trippy a f- vibe to it. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'd I'm skipping a bunch of these movies. Be- mixed with like... But like, like a bad lieutenant, like a dark fucking Only God Forgives bad lieutenant vibe of um, mixed with like a, a gory killer cop movie but like it, you i almost feel like it'd make it a little bit more realistic was it where it wasn't like a dude who came back from the dead maybe he didn't die yet type deal where it was still but he was just a cop that was like a brute that was a, it was a gorilla that could fucking crush people's heads like coconuts you know what i mean <laughs> yep um, 
turned into like a almost crazy hillbilly Jason type character that, uh, you know, so before he died, supposedly type deal, you know, right. zombieized. But I would love to see that one day. I don't think we ever will, though. Next up, The Dark Side of the Moon. And this is not the Pink Floyd album, unfortunately, which, you know. It's not the sequel for Transformers? No, it's a little, you know, calling a movie The Dark Side of the Moon after the album, The Dark Side of the Moon, I feel is trying to exploit something, it's, take advantage. It either of exploit something or you want, you know, you know, you know your movie's horrible. So let's give it a name that's going to make people interested in it. <laughs> Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and take back everything I just said. <laughs> and I'm I've you, never seen it, so I don't even. I've never I, seen this film either. I'm looking at the poster. I'm looking at the name of the film. I'm reading the synopsis, and in my head, I'm saying, "I want to watch this movie immediately." Yeah, I do want to. I do want to see it too, and just because of the fact that it takes place in 2022. Yeah, dude. In 2022, a repair crew is sent to fix an orbital weapon, but their spaceship called COVID-19 malfunctions and <laughs> heading towards the dark side of the moon. They're in a mysterious, seemingly abandoned space shuttle. A sinister force lies in wait. And this might have been this might this might have just been one of those types of movies that just gets like lost in the shuffle because there's so many movies that are similar. This is one of those movies that's a masterpiece, but was shot like too dark. Like they didn't, they like the crew might not have been fully like pro, so like it was just passion making it. So like it might, it, 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 you know what I mean? Like the one camera of those angles are raw. Like, a technical aspect of it holds it back, but it's really like a fucking full of heart, great horror masterpiece type deal. Um, I do want to see this. It's on Tubi. Uh, so, Watch on Tubi for free. So let me forget that because I do want to. I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna write it down too, so I don't forget. Dark side yeah, of the moon. Write that down, so we'll do it big. You know, we got Death by Temptation, 1990. Um, these are films that I we've talked about recently. I feel like. I wonder. Yeah. This this was this was talked. We talked about this one, I believe, when we had Saint on the show when we were or when we were doing our Black Lives Matter show. Tromer as well, because Death by Temptation is James Bond the third directed it. (laughs) James Bond the third. James Bond the third, which is my rap name actually. And Um, I guess at the time, this could this could have been you know. It was probably something that was worth watching. It had Kadeem Hardison, who at the time was, you know, big. I've seen and this. Film. I haven't. Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, you can't go. How how bad can it be with Samuel in it? This is actually a really good movie. And um, when I, when we talked about it before, I said, Troma released it, and this is probably one of the higher caliber Troma releases that that Lloyd didn't direct that they got they they attained the rights to. It's kind of, it's horror comedy. Um, but I would almost put this in the category of I, I would I'd put this in the category of Mother's Day, um, Father's Day, uh, <laughs> uh, <right next laughs> New time. Year's Eve. Yeah, like movies that they acquired from other bloodsucking freaks, movies that they acquired from other filmmakers that are actually really good. So I, I would, you know, because they're kind of they're 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 some of the movies aren't so fantastic, and then some of the movies are good over at Troma. And uh, we have nothing but love for the trauma folks. Oh, I mean, yeah, can't go wrong at all. Uh, Death by Temptation, 
that's deaf hip hop deaf like deaf <laughs> Jim. yep uh Roger Corman's Frankenstein Unbound um good times Roger Corman of course directed it you know those are always fun when you go down that road Raul, the late great Raul Julia the late great yeah rest in peace Bridget Fonda you know uh Roger Corman was really fucking flipping the bank dude opening up the bank accounts for this film um Going to a nice place. Yep. But yeah, I I got this. I can't. And I I own it. I feel like John Hurt. Of course, how could I not bring up John Hurt? Um, but I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like uh, I gotta rewatch this. I gotta rewatch this. I've never seen it, so I do one. I'd have to add to my arsenal too. I got it. I have the VHS. I just can't. It's one of those I can't recall. I've seen so many adaptations of Frankenstein. That I'd have to, and I'd really have to go back. Um, next up, Ghoul School. Um, poster looks like the worst movie ever made. I can tell you that right now. Seriously, off. Never this is a long it. ass list. Uh, it's it, it, it's it's comedy, horror, sport. Right? Yeah, it horrifies me. I'm truly horrified now. Sex, babes, and rock and roll. Two thugs in search of hidden treasure mistakenly unleash a chemical into a school's water supply, causing everyone. Uh, it comes in contact with to become flesh-eating ghouls. So this pretty much sounds like the comedy version of Cabin Fever. Yeah, try this looks like something Troma should release. Or Full Moon. Or Full Moon. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna yeah. give it. I'm not gonna give it full attention. So we're gonna move to the Graveyard Shift. Graveyard Shift is fantastic. I love this movie. It's the Graveyard Shift. Yeah, great I, I, pops up. I love. I love Andrew Divoff. Classic. Met him. Yep. The Wishmaster himself. Really good guy. Yeah, I haven't met him yet. Yeah, he's a good dude. I like him. David Andrews killing it. You know what I mean? Kelly Wolf, Stephen Mock. Uh, the Graveyard Shift, the Stephen King film, you know. Yeah, based uh, on his book of short stories. Yeah, yeah, very good stuff. I like it. I dig it. You got Brad Dourif in here being a maniac. Uh, yep. Yeah, that the dude, the, 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 I believe his name's. Um, his name fucking david andrews i think i could be wrong it yeah is, he's in it yeah i know i'm trying to think of it's the dude with that killing it with the accents no oh david andrews is uh let me see here is he I'm trying to see if he's in one of my favorite comedies from the 90s <laughs> probably a lot of these people were big in 90s tv sitcoms or he was in a nightmare and tv shows he played a foreman in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's John Hall in Graveyard Shift. Um, and this could be... This isn't the dude that originally I was thinking about, but he could be the original guy. He's not looking a lot like the fucking dude I thought he was. But that doesn't mean anything in this day and age. <laughs> Um, Stephen Mott, maybe that's the dude I'm thinking. Yeah, Stephen Mott, he's the dude. It's the graveyard shaft. He pulls off one of the best, one of my favorite. You know, when the, in the Stephen King films, everybody has their own little accent, their version of the the, the main accent. Yeah, and, uh, this dude uh, is one of my favorite. You know, this guy was also the father in Monster Squad for anybody out there in Transformers. Yep. Um, I don't think the filmmakers of Transfers 4 watch Transfers 4. Just joking, Bill Coyne. Don't be sad. 
Bill Coins clutching his Trantus Four VHS. Actually, Bobby Shemkis out there too. Uh, the ghost who walks. Who will we'll see the ghost who walks? Um, there's a bunch of people out there. They're like transfers, uh, all the whole franchise. But yeah, Stephen Mott, he should be on the television show called Shock Treatment TV. So I wouldn't mind getting him. Next up is Grim Prairie Tales. Now, this is a movie I probably, you, Mad Mel probably hasn't seen. It's very kind of obscure. It's a movie I didn't see until the last maybe five years. Um, Kind of difficult. Never re-released on a DVD or a Blu-ray for whatever reason. At least horror western. Uh, it's a it's an anthology film. This is actually a really fun one. Um, the the more obscure ones, I don't want to give away too much because I just think it's funny that they have it as a horror western. Well, it is. It is. That's what it's. That's what's really so cool about it. Like it's a really original, cool film that I support people seeing in the movies that I know are more obscure. I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to do spoilers for. And then the movies that people should see, I'll spoil. But this one, I'll just say, if you, you can't even see it anywhere here. There's no way to see it. You got to find the VHS probably on eBay or something, or maybe a bootleg at a con. Um, yeah. But yeah, check it out. If, if you can, anybody can get their hands on it, check it out. Maybe, maybe, Special treatment should TV should do a deal where all these movies you can't see anymore that I own we should almost do some comp you know do something with. But uh, next, think we'd like reach out for people if people are interested in that contact the Facebook page of uh, uh, fucking shock treatment with Mel and Manny almost (laughs) a special treatment which is our our short film coming up soon everybody who cares but uh, (laughs) check out shock treatment with Mel and Manny hit that up. And so if you want to see obscure movies in, in some type of format on the show. Um, next up is uh, Richard Stanley's Hardware. We talked about this recently. Classic. Yeah. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think you caught this one yet, but I... I yeah, uh, the Space Marine, no. We just talked about this movie recently, too. Maybe we're, I'm going to fucking time slip or something. I don't know what's going on. The Haunting of Morella, I'm not familiar with. Me neither. Still poster work though. Yeah, it is, it is cool. I bought a vampire motorcycle. Now this that is very. Just, this just tells me I'm not going to watch it just because of the name alone, and I'm probably missing something great. This is a. I I, I used to give Dave Maggot a hard time about this movie, and whenever I was talking about all the cheesy movies he likes, this was the title that I went to, and I think we like I st- we stumbled onto it by accident one day. Where we were joking around and I and like I just I'd randomly put multiple things together and say that like you know the haunted bicycle spoke you know what I mean yeah and, uh, we almost nailed I think vampire motorcycle like like uh, like vampire motorcycle was a made up name and then that brought up the fact that he actually seen a movie called I bought a vampire motorcycle and That's I hysterical. did. I didn't realize it was a 1990 film. I realized I thought it was like a fuck something that was made recently. You know what I mean? So I'm like soup, like something budget <laughs> type shit. I realized it was an older movie, which makes me actually want to watch it now. So Dave Maggot, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're listening because everybody listens to the show. Maybe you were on to something. Maybe you were ahead of your time, kid. Um, I'm dangerous tonight. Not just how I feel. 
but a movie from 1990, a television, a TV film. movie. Yeah, this is this is one that I haven't seen. And Toby, Toby Hopper. I know Toby Hooper fucking directed yeah. this. I've never even heard of this. I want to see it now. No, I, I do too. It, it sounds like ancient Aztec priests, you know. It looks like Anthony Perkins on the cover, but uh, it really does. But he ain't getting no credit in the credit list, and I, I assume he would. So I don't know what that's all about. <clears throat> but yeah, this is something I'd love to actually watch, man. Arlie Emery, um, uh, Tony per uh, Tony Perk Anthony Perkins. We call him Tony here on the show. Tony Perkins lookalike, um, directed by Toby Hooper. Like, I'm very disappointed. I haven't seen this. Hundred minute long, um, TV movie. You know what I mean? I dig this. I'd love to see this. Actually, I wish it, I wish this was watchable. MCA has their has their logo on it. It could it probably could have been released somewhere. Probably VHS. Uh, Maniac Nurses is next. This is a film that looks like trauma. Uh, has trauma all over it. I actually think I've seen this one. It. it- <laughs> or or something that like that is similar to this. Bizarre, often perverse yarn about nurses in a metropolitan hospital who seduced and murder male patients. Male patients, yeah. They have like if this is the one I'm thinking of, there there's like one big room and there's like a bunch of different dudes in it. And they just the female nurses just keep coming in and out and, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things to them. Uh, this sounds like this sounds like the first movie that kicked off a genre of films that I don't that I don't like. What the horror porn? Yeah, the horror porn, that whole like nurse thing. I don't like I think it's kind of played out before it even started type shit. I I don't know. I just never really got down with that. I thought it was a little too Things slide, sometimes things slide a little too into the exploitation for me, and uh, yep. I understand it. I just don't get down with it. You know what I mean? Next up, Meriden, which was always artwork, a poster that I liked, but I've never seen. Um, Charles Band. Yeah, well, you know, cool bands. Charles Band got his name on a few. Uh, actually, surprisingly, a handful of good shit. You know what I mean? For the reputation he has, he does have his hand in some. Good shit. I've never seen this, so I can't... Yeah, I've never seen this one either. I can uh, say that this is definitely it uh, in the terms of that. But, yeah, you know, these are all uh, doing it big. 30 years old this year. 30 Lodge. Yep. Dirty 30. Dirty 30. Uh, Mara Mara, next up. That was a good one. Yeah, that was good. I had the VHS. There was a sequel, maybe even a third one of these as well. I yeah, I've only I've only seen the first one though. You know, I liked Karen Black even before you know people knew who she was in House of a Thousand Corpses and whatnot. Karen Black's the bomb. You know what I mean? She's a legend. Rest in peace. Passed too early. Yep. Um, the night brings Charlie. The, the story of Charles Manson. I don't. I'm joking about that. No, it should have been though. A horrifying descent into the twisted killing spree of a psychopath. It um, sounds like it could be about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it probably is. Really, probably is based loosely on him. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, it'd be interesting. I'd watch it. I wish it was more. You could watch it. A lot of these are uh, Night of the Dribbler. Looks like something I don't even want to know existed. 
This is no. Uh, even the the poster art for this movie is atrocious. So it's like it probably cost them like two dollars to make it and another dollar for the poster. So yeah. the Watergate plumbers, a poorly performing college basketball team, lose their best player one by one to death and dismemberment at the hands of a mysterious mass stalker. Yeah, no. Uh, I for this film, you have to switch out your your uh, your, your brain. Boy, Four leaf clovers for fucking um, ice from Dog the Bounty Hunter. You're going to get some <laughs> Dog the Bounty Hunter ice going to work your way through that movie. You might even need to call up Rick James from Beyond Rick the James, Crack. bitch. And some, some George Clayton and say, George, I think I need some Crackola. Um, <laughs> next up, Prom Night, another franchise I never dove too deep into. No, I've only seen the fir- I've only seen the first two. Yeah, I'm disappointing myself as a horror fan. I uh, yeah, seriously, me too. There's so many. I mean, yeah, I've seen, like I've seen the, the the main ones and shit, but yeah, I never. I mean, I've never. I I mean, I love horror, but I've I I have points in time where I go back and forth, and like I'll drop the horror for a little bit, and you know, this is probably one of those times where I wasn't big into it back then. Yeah, well, I mean, I never. Yeah, it was one of those things. I did. this this circumstance for me is I'll watch the first movie. If it does it like I like I like the original. I own the soundtrack. You can't go wrong with Jamie Lee. You can't, and you can't go wrong with Jamie Lee Curtis. But Leslie it's Nielsen, another one. That, it just it just got stupid. Yeah, they got but they got stupid at this point, and it this, took away. There's certain franchises I didn't kind of go back to. I'll just say that. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind going back to him now. Or Psycho 4, the beginning. Psycho 4, the beginning. You know, Mick Garris directed that. uh, Yep, TV movie. I just listened to him do a podcast about this show on his his podcast. Uh, Anthony Perkins, if anybody listen to our, our, uh, speaking of Mick Garris, listen to our Mick Strawn episode. I think it's pretty funny that, you know, we got Psycho on this list, and today I'm wearing my Psycho t-shirt, which was not even planned. <laughs> I think it's a coincidence that we're all psychos. Seriously, that Talking too. About psycho. Um, we got Mick Garris. We have our Mick Strawn story of, uh, of, of Anthony Perkins, which is one of the, my favorite stories ever told on Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. So That's one of my two, and they both came from Mick. <laughs> yeah, so if you if you look at, if you want, if you got a, yeah, what a, you got you got time. You got time after this episode. Go check out the Mick Strawn, um, Gory Time with Mick, um, a take on story time. So you get to hear stories from a bunch of, uh, t- no teaser, no spoilers, a bunch of big horror movies that you enjoy, some inside stories, and a great Anthony Perkins story. So go listen to that episode and return back. Um, next up. Give us your opinions on it. Check it, yeah, we'll do it. Cheech Pounder's up in that, doing a big Henry Thomas and Olivia Hussey, killing it. Um, the Reflecting Skin is also that year. Uh, I've never seen this one. In the 1950s, a young boy living with his troublesome family in rural USA fantasizes that a neighboring widow is actually a vampire responsible for a number of disappearances in the area. Got a kind of Fright Night vibe to it. Yeah, I, that's what I was just thinking. I've never seen this one, but um, and I don't know, know if I really want to. <laughs> uh-huh, marijuana. 
I said, I don't know if I really want to. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems marijuana like works more, too. More dramatic, you know. Next up, uh, a film we talked about on Boombasticast recently, Repossessed. Repossessed. Leslie Nielsen, the great late Leslie Nielsen, rest in peace. Yep, Linda, Linda Blair, Blair Ned Beatty. Anthony Stark, directed by Barb Logan, doing it big. Um, the, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen, you know, of course, from The Naked Gun and things, very known for spoofing. He was in a couple of um, those scary movies that we talked about the last episode. Yeah. Um, they spoof everything, and they eventually finally spoofed horror movies, and this was the horror movie spoof. And yep, Party of the Exorcist, for those that don't know. Not a good movie, but definitely fun. Yep. Shock 'em Dead. I've seen this movie, but uh, I don't. I actually like. I've never. I've never seen this. I like Tracy Lords though. The killer looks like uh, Sting from Wrestling. Tracy Lords is good times. I I feel like I met Tracy Lords somewhere. She was at Rock and Shop. Yeah, I think I met, I met her at Rock and Shock in like 2015. She's super sweet. It was funny too because like I think when I met her, the first thing I had ever seen her in was Crybaby. Because I knew, I, I, yeah, and I knew that like she was big. She did a lot of porn back in the day too. That's how she really got her start. In she likes movies. she likes to be more known for her porn though. Yeah, who? I mean, I guess if she that was what wa- you started. She doesn't like people talking about her, her John Waters career. She likes people to talk about the pornography career. You know? <laughs> her John Waters body of work is legendary, I feel. Like, that's why I give her, that's where my love for her goes. And she's also in Skinner with Ted Raimi, which is. Oh, I like that she, she made a, an appearance in Zach and Mary make a porno. Great. Yeah, I, I, Tracy Lords is good times. Uh, yeah. 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 She's, uh, She's pimping. She's pimping, and pimping ain't easy. Next up is uh, Extro 2, The Second Encounter. I will say, I just recently, for the first time, and when I say recently, in the last three weeks, watched the first Extro. And it's quite a movie. It's very, it's, it's good. I definitely recommend it. There's three of them. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe. Sounds kind of uh, interesting. Maybe the show might be talking about them soon. Maybe we'll see if 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 they're able to. They're kind of rare to get your hands on, I guess. I know um, this is this is available on Amazon. Yeah, this is part two. I think part three is on Amazon as well. So maybe uh, some research. Maybe we'll do some research, Melly. I gotta yeah, watch. Yeah, sounds like an it. idea. I'll have to watch all of them. And we'll do it. We'll be doing it big. But yeah, that's good. Time. That, that the original was really trippy, uh, fun kind of original horror film. I dug it. The nineties. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot more movies that came out in the nineties than I realized that were in the horror genre. Yeah, I know so much so that we're actually going to be do- calling nineties its own episode. That that's what yeah. Um, the sleeping cat is next up. Sleeping car. That's how long this list is. That yeah, we fell asleep. Um, David Naughton from, you know, American Werewolf in London fame stars in this bad motherfucker. Jeff Conway. D- Douglas Curtis. Jeff Conway, my boy from fucking Taxi doing Reese. a big. Uh, <laughs> he took some time away from pain pills and alcoholism to fucking do a nice horror movie that looks like, looks like, uh, Dave Naughton 
keeps this poster in his bathroom. That's where he puts this one. You can watch this on Trebekah's shortlist with Prime Video Channels. I don't even know what that means. But, there's uh, a Tribeca, yeah. There's a Tribeca channel on Amazon that you can subscribe to. Rest in peace, Jeff Conway. If that is the Conway I'm thinking of, I, I think it is. It's the only one I know that it was in. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure they're both passed on. Just like Sorority House Massacre Two, we're gonna pass on that because I've never seen it. Yeah, me neither. Wynorski. We tried to get Jim Wynorski and B Doc to and. He, uh, how should I word this? Didn't want to be bothered. Huh? Didn't want to be bothered. Um, I shouldn't go too behind the scenes on that, but he, I don't know. If you want to know, just, you know, pay us and we will let you, we will tell you the story. (laughs) The minority is a good guy. I think it was just an issue he couldn't get, he couldn't get his hands on the technology to shoot the interview. I think it was something like that. Nothing, nothing like Nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing scandalous. Nothing scandalous. Good God, that's the fun stuff, though. Yeah, I know. I could have, I could have plumped it up, but I, I, I stayed respectable. Um, Sinig, Sin, I've never even heard of this movie. Me neither. I like the poster work, though. Poster work's cool. Looks like a fucking 2007 heavy metal album cover. Uh, a scientist engineers a group of genetically engineered creatures for the use of super soldiers to fight the uh, fight U.S. wars in the Middle East. This is very ahead of its time. However, things get this is even before the first attack. Uh, however, things get ugly when the creatures malfunction and turn on their creators. Yeah, uh, sounds seems legit. I guess so. Yeah. Some would say. Oh my goodness! Is it? That's not even 1990. Oh my goodness! Not only is that not 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 only is it not 1990. This looks like the worst thing that I was ever made. Okay, David, David Carradine, David <laughs> Sundown. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I think they just found out why David Carradine hung it up. There's a sundown, the van, vampire retreat that looks like it was like the cover looks like a mixture of uh, a star is born and some cheesy Disney movie. Uh, no, sorry. Maybe a star is born with Van Hel. It looks like the cover of Van Helsing huge. with uh, Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> star is born is the font I think they're using for the logo. I think yeah. that sundown is, but yeah. Other than that, it's vamp- it's it's, it's uh, Abraham Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter meets fucking <laughs> like I don't even know, dude. It's like fucking horror, like a pirate movie. It's horrifying. Like I said, rest in yeah, peace. Oh, I was right though. I said I said Van Helsing, and I didn't read the thing. And the guy's a descendant of Van Helsing. Reclusive vampires lounge in a lonely American town. They wear sun cream to protect themselves. And a descendant of Van Helsing arrives with hilarious consequences. Yeah, I didn't even see that part when I said the cover looks like Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. That looks like they, they, a modernized cover, hopefully. Like somebody, re, like a newer, like somebody just gave it newer distribution and, you know. 
you know, when they don't really care about it, they just, they just want to really, they give it a cover. That, yeah, get it out there. Like this cover looks like, like, if, like if I seen this cover real quick, I'd say this looks like a kid's pirate movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. does. I think that's what they're going for. Uh, they should just have David Carradine hanging by a fucking belt on the cover and that would sell more DVDs. Can I say yeah. that out loud? What the fuck? I think it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of movies on our 90s list that aren't made in the 90s, but I'm skipping through because there's. I didn't realize there was this many movies on this list. This is I'm, like, I'm like picking out movies, and I love the fact that Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout is on here. The Rejuvenator is a film that I've seen, never seen the film, but I've seen it, a physical copy of it recently. Somebody had it out. Maybe it was Chris, Chris McGibbon. Um, but somebody had this out. I want to see it because the, the poster artwork is so fucking, it's scary. It's actually kind of dope. Yeah. Scary looking. Yeah. So I definitely want to check that. Watchers too. Uh, scary, scary fucking world. Not to be confused with the first one who stars Corey Haim. Um, I have both of these. Another one, rest in peace. You got Mark Singer, the Beastmaster himself. Um, Watchers 2, they uh, they call it that because only two people watched that film. <laughs> um, next up, Wheels of Terror. You know what I mean? Uh, never seen off. this one. It looks like a great fucking Christopher Pike book from the 90s. I'm digging on that. I'm digging that vibe. Some some Fair Street. This yeah. Fair Street cover for R.L. Stein. I'm getting down. Um, yeah, Christopher Kane. He was on a, he was on a lot of Kane when he made this film. I heard speculation. Um, that's all we need to say about that film. I think there's kidnapping involved. I can't get into that. That's dark. Um, yeah. Witchcraft two. Witchcraft two. The Temptress. That actually says it was 1989, not 1990. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so I will we'll kill it with this. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but Witchcraft is a franchise I never watched a single movie to. I just had no interest. It just had this. No, movie. I've never seen any. I, I've seen a couple of the Witchboard movies, but not Witchcraft. Witchboard is a better caliber of horror film. These Witchcraft movies just look, they always look cheaply done and look like complete fucking garbage. Garbage. Um, I've never seen them, so that I, it could be something I watch and change. It could change my life, but I, I don't think it is. Um, wouldn't uh, Voodoo Dawn? Okay, never seen. Uh, never heard of. Yeah, it looks interesting though. I almost get that. Tony, does that say Tony Todd? Um, that says no. on the poster. Oh yeah, Tony. It does. It's a, it's a quote, though. It looks like it was a quote. Tony Todd said, i like to cover your movie. I'm going to put my name on it. I'm actually looking now to see where it goes. Okay, Tony Todd. No, I guess he's in it. What's crazy is that they don't credit him in the actual film. He's on the cover. Um, so the only thing I could say is that Tony Todd has like a two second cameo, maybe, and they just so they use that to pick him up on the cover. The movie, yeah, I don't know. Um, next up is a film called Dead Girls. I've never seen because that type of film is the same thing with like those nurses movies, and the yeah, same thing I thought those witchcraft movies to be. 
just kind of, for lack of a better word, girl, like girly horror, which is cool. I don't mind there being girly horror. I just don't like watching it. Um, so I don't know. Dead Girls looks like something that would be a waste of my time. If my time's worth money. Have you seen De- Dead Girls? I sure haven't. And it doesn't sound like anything I'd want to watch either. I would have got a different answer if I asked Alexander Hawk that question, but we wouldn't be talking about the movie. <laughs> so, Mask of the Red Death. This is uh, a, a, a reboot, I believe, because I think this is a Poe story. It is. Um, and this has been told many a time. So by the 90s, it's 89 to those damn fucking animals. We're going to cruise a little bit. Beyond Darkness looks good, 1990. Um, happy 30th birthday, Beyond Darkness. We support you. Lene Quigley's horror workout. 30 years old. I'm surprised. She's only 36. So I'm, right. I'm surprised that it um, is that old. Kenneth J. Hall, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, great dude. Um, you know, involved with uh, Puppet Master. Um I want to say also involved with night uh, um, Linnea shrunk the kids at some point, you know. Yeah, he, I think Billy. I think Billy had Linnea sign this for him at Scaricon when she was there. One of the years we went, and she thought it was. I, I don't. I can't remember if she had the had him for sale or whatever, but she was just surprised that he had it and was asking for that to be autographed. I think Kenneth might have designed the Ghoulies too. There's some. I'm, I'm, He's a director, I know, but I think he did. He does effects as well. In current event deal, um, he actually designed the mask, I believe, for um, for blind, which is pretty dope. Which is dope to bring That's six degrees, six degrees of separation. And he's actually a really good dude, um, and I can say that personally because when I for like when I first started reaching out to other filmmakers on Facebook, maybe even in MySpace days. I think he was very, he was one of the people that like replied back and like actually got to conversate with them and get advice and stuff like that. So, yeah, which is always cool. Always love for Kenneth, dude. He's the man for sure. Um, he did a movie called The Halfway House. I remember he was making that when, um, like when I was talking to him. Very good dude. Very good dude. I was super happy to hear that he did the Mask for Blind. And I was meaning to say something during that Blind episode when he brought that up. I, I didn't even – when I listened to it back, um, I caught that reference. I didn't catch you the time or I would have picked them up because whenever I get a chance to pick up Ke- Kenny Kenny Howe, I try to. Um, so props. Uh, next up, A Holy Place. Uh, never seen this one. No, it's a, def- it's a foreign film. I've never seen this one either. Yeah, Killer Crocodiles. Uh, happy birthday. Night Shadow. Fuck, Night Shadow's 89. Fuck Night Shadow. Um, Mirage. <laughs> All right. Mirage, I never see. We're actually going to go back a couple because we're at the end of the list. So Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, that that Beyond the Darkness movie wished happy birthday to a minister and his wife moving to a haunted house. I must say, I'm intrigued. I love haunted house movies. Now, I've never seen it. I don't think you've, you've seen it. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Uh, Killer Crocodile 2. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for big creature movies, so I'm, I'd probably enjoy this film. 
but I've never seen it. But happy 30th birthday to kill a crocodile too. Um, Pledge Night. I think I've seen this, actually, this one. Not me. A college fraternity in the middle of hazing their new pledges during Hell Week um, incur the wrath of the long-deceased pledge who died during a hazing gone wrong 20 years ago. A great plot. I enjoy the plot. I'm yeah, not- it sounds, but it sounds like something else that, it sounds like something else I've already seen. It's been done if a few times. There's a Tales been, from the yeah. like that. That's what gets confusing, too, because you think you see a movie, but you actually saw something else that was pretty much the same movie with a different title. Yeah. And uh, last on our list, the movie that I didn't see, because I don't care for the franchise that much, uh, or at all, I've never watched it, Witchcraft 3, which are another sign of cla- of, of, of uh, quality. Yeah, two, movies, two yeah. movies in one year. The Kiss of Death. That's always uh, a sign of quality when... I, when when you pump them out um, that quick, but and probably and probably within only a few months of one another, it just means they were making them. I can't. I don't remember there being a fan base. Certain films can be pumped out to a year with quality. We've seen other directors do it. Um, well, I mean, they do it a lot now. The they film like they'll film, you know, because that's the big thing now. We're filming two movies at once. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's just like. I can see for a bigger budget movie releasing two movies a year, but not two of the same franchise. I don't know what the fan base is for this franchise. I, I can't assume it was that big, but I can't. They were probably made for fifty cents. Um, there had to be some kind of a. There had to be some kind of a, a following for it to release two a, in the yeah, there's, a, there's people that get into this shit. Like there's people that. <clears throat> there's people in that, you know, I'm trying to delicately walk around this without insulting people, but there's weirdo people out there that, you know, just the, the fact that they're like gothic model looking girls acting badly in a movie that looks like it was shot with a cell phone. Probably no, you know, they probably, probably looks high production value. There's probably some money in it, but I feel like, the materials probably try not to get too hard on a movie I've never even seen, um, but I'm sure. No, I know. You know, there. I bet this is for people that like. If you happen to look like the ghoul from, if you uh, Vigo the, the the Carpathian from Ghostbusters two, if you happen yeah. to look like Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters two, or fucking, you know, the, the body from Krang, you know what I mean, like that. Dude. <laughs> I think you need to go back to sleep. I bet it looked like that, dude. I bet you love. I bet you love this movie. I bet you love that franchise. If you love, if you if 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 you're one of those type of characters, I bet you love this shit. But (laughs) I don't. It's not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea either. So that was the last film of uh, the '90s of the horror films. Supposedly, it was a pretty big list. You know, as it got towards the end, it got pretty scarce of things that uh, I've never seen and Mad Mel never seen, which is kind of tricky. Yeah, like if we were battling against this one, we might not have done that well. But there was what, uh, not even 100, it was only 68 on this list. Yeah, like you said, it was 
I mean, I, I was young back then, so like my intentions wasn't sitting at home watching horror movies. At least like now I can probably put out a bunch of these movies and go to town and be able to say I saw them or, you know, when I'm sitting here talking shit about it, I have a little bit of substance about talking shit about it because I actually saw it and saw how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like at one of these days, maybe, maybe in the future, we'll force ourselves to watch the entire witchcraft series. Like, <laughs> do, do something, do a commentary or do like some type of podcast over it or something. That could be fun. We could just riff on it. That'd be good times. Shock treatment, the mystery science theater way. Yeah, yeah. If if R rated, super R rated. If anybody out there wants is interested in hearing that shit, let us know. Hit us up. If you if you want a cookie cutter version of something, we are not the ones for you. (laughs) Oh yeah. If 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 people want to see us do things or hear us do things, they're gonna let us know. We'll be careful how you said you, you the way you just said that. That could be taken so many ways. Certain deals, to certain extent. <laughs> so we're trying to entertain you, folks. So if we if we bring up an idea that you like, let us know you like it. Is what I'm saying, folks. But yeah, <laughs> so that was our '90s one, and that went a little. We were gonna originally do the '80s and '90s together, but that went so far that I feel like we should probably cut it and do '80s as another episode. Seriously, and I think I think the '80s will be a harder. The '80s will be big because there's a lot of movies in that that I'm sure we. A lot seen. of fantastic movies that are turning forty. Yeah, so uh, with that, we want to tell all these films, even Witchcraft and the other films we didn't like. Happy thirtieth birthday! You know, we can't take that away from you. You've been on this earth for thirty years, and uh, you'll continue on. You know what I mean? If so, we but- can find you. <laughs> I know a lot of your candles have already been blown out on some of you, but hopefully you'll see another day. You know what I mean? Yep. All right, folks, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Marty. Mm-hmm. <laughs>